0: Come, people of the risen King, who delight to bring Him praise. Come, all, and tune your hearts to sing to the morning star of grace. From the shifting shadows of the earth, Oh Follow us through all our days with the service. Over all the world His people sing, shore to shore we hear them call. The truth that cries through every age, our God is all in all. fill in, so if you do have empty seats by you and you see anybody come in late, just put your hand up so they know where to go.
1: Well, we are people of the risen King, amen? Amen. It's said that the early believers were so focused on the reality of Christ's resurrection that they would greet one another by calling out, He is risen, just as Shelley did earlier, and they would respond by saying, He is risen indeed. In fact, they wanted to emphasize it so much, I'm told that they would repeat it three times. So uh, let's greet one another that way this morning. He is risen. He is risen
0: indeed.
1: He is risen. He is risen he is risen. He is risen, he is risen. he is risen indeed. Amen. Let's pray together. Father God, we come to you this morning in celebration. Help us not to forget that before that Sunday morning, was a dark day long before the crucifixion father you had already set apart your son to be the lamb slain for us and it was made necessary by our sin father we we praise you that Jesus was never the victim but always the victor no one took his life he gave it willingly as he laid his life down for his sheep Father, we come to you humbly in repentance, recognizing that the only thing we can offer, the only thing that we add in any way to our salvation is the sin that made it necessary. So we thank you and praise you that you so, so loved us that you sent your Son to die in our place, that whoever Any one of us, no matter what our sin, no matter what our background, no matter what our education or or economic status or race, anyone who will turn to Him and trust in Him alone will never have to perish but have eternal life. Father, we're so thankful. And we celebrate today that the tomb is empty. We serve a risen Savior. Lord, we also come to you with our needs. And we won't detail those this morning, but we thank you that you hear our every prayer. And we have so many things that are detailed in the prayer insert in our programs. I pray that you would keep it in our minds to pray for one another throughout the week. But Lord, right now I want to lift up specifically the burdens that are weighing down hearts and keeping us from being able to fully give ourselves into worship today. Those who are dealing with unresolved sin, they haven't confessed it, they haven't dealt with it, they haven't brought it to you. Those who are living secret lives. Those who are carrying grief over the loss of loved ones or fear, wondering what if about an unknown future. Help us, Lord, to lay these burdens down at the foot of the cross. Teach us, teach us deep in our hearts, Father, that there is never a time when it will be a dangerous thing to trust an unknown future to a known God. Now, Father, as we celebrate the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ, receive our praise Our tongues will fail. Even our thoughts and our hearts will fail, Lord. But you are bigger than our hearts. You're bigger than our thoughts. Be honored and glorified today. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, our core reality as we are uh, working through this service and we look at the uh, scriptures we look at and sing the songs that we sing is simply this. The hope of eternal life for every believer hinges on the reality of Christ's resurrection. The hope of eternal life for every believer hinges on the reality of Christ's resurrection. It is my hope and prayer that our gathering today will make that so abundantly clear that we cannot forget it. That as we go through this day, With all of the wonderful things, I don't know about you all, but we're going to have a big family get together. We're going to eat some food. I'm going to eat less of it. But we're going to eat eat some food. We're going to have a good time. We're going to celebrate. And all of these wonderful things can very easily and quickly become distractions that get our hearts and our minds grounded here as if this life is ultimate reality when it's really a precursor, a mere foreshadowing of the greater reality that starts now but lasts forever. It's my hope and my prayer that this core reality will dig itself, burrow itself into you, that it might dominate your thoughts. Today we celebrate that we have passed from death to life because Christ is risen indeed. If you have a program, and I hope you do, you can uh, mark this down. Not a a lot of notes to take today, but some things to, to mark down so we can know it. Note this. Christ's resurrection was literal and physical, not figurative or spiritual. I'll say it again. Christ's resurrection was literal and physical, not figurative or spiritual. It wasn't a metaphor. It's not a... That's the religious idea that we aspire to. Our hope, our faith, is not in the idea of resurrection. It's not merely, as the, the, one of my favorite Easter hymns with an uncomfortable line for me says, that he lives within my heart, though this is a true thing for those who are united to Christ. He does live within our heart. But first and foremost, he lives in actuality, having been literally physically raised and ascended to the Father. Our gospel, our good news, rests firmly and entirely on the actual historical fact that Jesus Christ died physically on the cross for the sins of mankind and was raised to life physically on the third day. Turn with me, if you would, to John chapter 20, and let's read John's account of this in his gospel. If you're not sure where that is. It's the fourth book of the New Testament, so it's going to be roughly four-fifths of the way through your Bible. You'll see names that you recognize: Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. If you get to Acts and Romans, you've gone a little bit too far. John, chapter 20. We'll read the chapter in its entirety. Here's how he records it. Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. So she came running to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one Jesus loved, and said, They've taken the Lord out of the tomb. We don't know where they've put him. So Peter and the other disciple started for the tomb. Both were running... taken my Lord away she said and I don't know where they've put him at this she turned around and saw Jesus standing there but she did not realize that it was Jesus he asked her woman why are you crying who is it you're looking for thinking he was the gardener she said sir if you've carried him away tell me where you've put him and I'll get him Jesus said to her Mary she turned toward him and cried out in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said, Do not hold on to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. Go and said to my brothers and tell them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went to the disciples with the news. I've seen the Lord. And she told them that, she had said, <clears throat> that he had said these things to her. On the evening of that first day of the week when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders Jesus came and stood among them and said peace be with you. After he had said this he showed them his hands inside. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Again Jesus said peace be with you. As the Father has sent me I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone's sins, their sins are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they're not forgiven. Now, Thomas, also known as Didymus, that means twin, one of the twelve, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We've seen the Lord. See my hands. Reach out your hand and put it in my side. Stop doubting and believe. Thomas said to him, My Lord and my God. Then Jesus told him, Because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. This is the word of God. Receive it in faith. Christ's resurrection was literal and physical, not figurative or spiritual. The hope of eternal life for every believer hinges on the reality of Christ's resurrection.
0: how can it be the one who died has borne our sin through sacrifice to come works in us to powerfully save. He frees our hearts to live his grace. Today, all hail the power of Jesus' name and crown him with many crowns. All hail the power of Jesus' name. Let angels prostrate.
1: Christian hope of real life now and forever in Christ is possible because, mark this, Christ died in our place so that anyone who embraces him in faith receives real life. Christ died in our place so that anyone who embraces him in faith receives real life. This is a doctrine called substitutionary atonement. Fancy words that simply mean that Christ died in our place as our substitute, taking God's judgment against our sin on himself and appeasing the righteous wrath of God on our behalf as an atoning sacrifice, taking the punishment our sins earn as his own and crediting us with his own righteousness. If you're still in John Turn with me just to the right a little bit to the book of Romans chapter 3. You Go past the book of Acts, skip over that. The next book is Romans. In Romans chapter 3, verses 21 to 26, Paul talks about this idea of a sacrifice of atonement on our behalf. Here's what he says. But now... Apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been made known to which the law and the prophets testify. This righteousness is given through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. There's no difference between Jew and Gentile for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And all are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. God presented Christ as a sacrifice of atonement through the shedding of his blood to be received by faith. He did this to demonstrate his righteousness because in his forbearance, that means patience and long-suffering, in his forbearance he had left the sins committed beforehand unpunished. He did it to demonstrate his righteousness at the present time so as to be just and the one who justifies those who have faith in Jesus. Isaiah spoke of this centuries before. If you go all the way back to the middle of the book, you'll probably land in Psalms. Thumb to the right just a little bit. Isaiah is easy to find. It's a big book. That's uh, why he's referred to as a major prophet, because he had a lot to say. And in Isaiah, chapter 53, Isaiah spends a lot of time not only talking about the coming Messiah, but talking about God's suffering servant. And this chapter in particular is very clear. So many of the, of the prophecies that, uh, that Isaiah brings about Messiah speak of the time to come at the consummation of all things. When God will bring vindication to Israel and judgment against sin and wickedness and all God's enemies. And there's a victorious warrior king picture But in Isaiah 53, he speaks of God's suffering servant taking on the sins of God's people. Let's read this chapter together. He says it this way. Who's believed our message? To whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? He grew up before him like a tender shoot and like a root out of dry ground. He had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him the iniquity, the law-breaking, the sin of us all. He was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before its shearers and silent, so he did not open his mouth. By oppression and judgment he was taken away. Yet who of his generation protested? For he was cut off from the land of the living the transgression of my people he was punished he was assigned a grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death though he had done no violence nor was any deceit in his mouth yet it was the Lord's will yet it was the Lord's will to crush him and cause him to suffer And though the Lord makes his life an offering for sin he will see his offspring and prolong his days. And the will of the Lord will prosper in his hand. After he has suffered he will see the light of life and be satisfied. By his his knowledge my righteous servant will justify many. And he will bear their iniquities. Therefore I will give him a portion among the great and he will divide the spoils with the strong because he poured out his life unto death and was numbered with the transgressors. For he bore the sin of many and made intercession for the transgressors. In 2 Corinthians 5.21, Paul gives what I, I think is probably his clearest statement to summarize this idea of a substitutionary atonement that Christ died in our place. He said God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. How do we take hold of this? You know. You've heard it so many times in John 3:16. You know that verse that everybody's heard, everybody is familiar with and everybody kind of blows off because it's so familiar, and familiarity breeds contempt. Think about what it says. For God so loved the world, that's all of us wretched sinners committing crimes of treason against Him. By nature, objects of wrath and His enemies, God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son that whoever believes in Him shall not perish but have eternal life. Christ died in our place so that anyone who embraces him in faith receives real life. The hope of eternal life for every believer hinges on the reality of Christ's resurrection. The next set of three,
0: we're going to see. Sing- the uh, first one is an original song you won't have heard before so we are putting the words up just so that you can make sure you understand all of the words and um, their significance. but. Death in Found me in chains. Reminded me of all the things I've done With no one else to blame Might as well have been me Driving nails in his hands While he asked for my forgiveness For what I didn't understand and I deserve suffering to be caught in the flood. But he rose up from the grave and washed it away. i stars they left, the morning sun was dead, the savior of the world was far. We sing holiday.
1: of the resurrection is absolutely essential to the gospel. If Christ is not risen, we have no hope. Let me say that again so you can write it down if you're taking notes. The reality of the resurrection is absolutely essential to the gospel. If Christ is not risen, we have no hope. Over the generations and still today, Many have sought to explain away the miracle of Christ's resurrection or downplay its crucial importance, making our faith just another religious belief like other world religions. It doesn't matter if we agree or disagree about it. As long as you believe, as long as you love Jesus and and, and live a life of love, just one problem. The Bible says exactly the opposite. It does matter. It's the heart of the matter. The reality of the resurrection is indispensable to our salvation. Simply put, if Jesus was not literally, physically raised from the dead, if Jesus was not literally, physically, Actually, raised from the dead in time and space, then he was not who he claimed to be. And his offer of life through faith in him is invalid. It's worth nothing. It is the central claim of the apostles, it is the reason for their entire work for their living. The opening chapters of the book of Acts make that abundantly clear. We're not going to turn there today, but check it out. These who were cowering in a locked room when Jesus showed up, they were not expecting resurrection. They didn't believe it. They weren't looking for it. They weren't making it up, as some have claimed, because it was the farthest thing from their minds, and everything they made up about it put them in jeopardy, and they were already scared to death. They were cowering cowering in this room. Not sure what to do next. All the hope had been sucked out of them until the risen Christ showed up and appeared to them. And then everything changed. Paul says in Romans 4.25, He was delivered over to death for our sins and was raised to life for our justification. Okay, what does that mean? That means His death paid our debt. Right? We get that so far. The resurrection, however, is the evidence that the sacrifice was accepted. He paid our debt. The resurrection shows that the check cleared. It is our proof of justification. It's our evidence that God has accepted the sacrifice and made us right with Him where we could not be right on our own. Peter's great praise of this shows up in his first letter. 1 Peter 1, verses 3-4. through He says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, and into an inheritance that can never spoil or fade. Our memory verse for today, you can find it in your program, is John 5:24. Jesus himself says, Very truly I tell you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and will not be judged, but has crossed over from death to life. Apart from the resurrection, this promise from Jesus is empty, hollow, and worthless. How important is the resurrection? Turn with me, if you would, to 1 Corinthians. If you remember where you were in Romans, it's the next book past that. When you get to 1 Corinthians, you're going to get toward the end of that letter to chapter 15. This is again the Apostle Paul, and he's he's writing to a church dealing with all sorts of dysfunction. They believe they've come to Christ. They haven't really uh, had their life line up with what they professed yet. And they're dealing with a lot of A lot of sinful attitudes and behaviors, and so on. And there's a bunch of false teaching coming from many corners. And many people are downplaying the importance of the resurrection, claiming that there is no real resurrection. Jewish teaching had held that that in the final days, when the Lord would come and bring vindication and and uh, end the the wickedness and uh, put down and judge the enemies of God that the dead would be raised in him. And many were saying, "Yeah, maybe not so much. That was a, a prominent uh, part of, of what could be considered liberal thinking at that time. The Sadducees were a part of that. They wanted to explain away the miracles of the Bible, get rid of things that, that couldn't be explained naturally. We have the same thing happen today. In 1 Corinthians 15, Paul says this, Now, brothers and sisters... I'll be reading some selections here, but in the first eight verses we see this. Now, brothers and sisters, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you, which you received and on which you have taken your stand. By this gospel you are saved, if you hold firmly to the word I preached to you. Otherwise, you've believed in vain. though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles. Last of all, he appeared to me also, as to one abnormally born. Jump down to verse 12. But if it is preached that Christ has been raised from the dead, how can some of you say there is no resurrection of the dead? if there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, this is, this is one of those underlying points here. Here's, here's where he's dropping the hammer. If Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless, and so is your faith. More than that, we are found to be false witnesses about God, for we have testified about God that He raised Christ from the dead. <clears throat> but Christ, but Christ has indeed been raised from the dead, the firstfruits of those who have fallen asleep. For since death came through a man, the resurrection of the dead comes also through a man. For as in Adam all die, so in Christ all will be made alive, but each in turn. Christ, the firstfruits. Then when he comes, Those who belong to him. Then the end will come when he hands over the kingdom to God the Father after he has destroyed all dominion, authority, and power. For he must reign until he has put all his enemies under his feet. The last enemy to be destroyed is death, for he has put everything under his feet. Now, when it says that everything has been put under him, it's clear that this does not include God himself, who put everything under Christ. When he has done this, Then the Son Himself will be made subject to Him who put everything under Him, so that God may be all in all. Jump ahead to verse 50. I declare to you, brothers and sisters, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the the imperishable. Listen, I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep, but we will all be changed in a flash, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound, The dead will be raised imperishable, and we will be changed. For the perishable must clothe itself with the imperishable, and the mortal with immortality. When the perishable has been clothed with the imperishable, and the mortal with immortality, then the saying that is written will come true Death has been swallowed up in victory. Where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? Our boldness, our perseverance, our hope rest entirely on the knowledge that Jesus is indeed risen from the dead, having entered into death to conquer death for us. Therefore, we can know that our labor in our risen Lord is not ever in vain. The reality of the resurrection is absolutely essential to the gospel. If Christ is not risen, we have no hope. But he is. He is risen. risen The hope of eternal life for every believer hinges on the reality of Christ's resurrection.
0: the darkness we were waiting, without hope, without light, till from heaven you came running, there was mercy in your eyes. to fulfill the law and promise, to avert birth in the blood, from the throne of endless glory, to
1: Sometimes I feel like shouting glory. Hallelujah, amen. Our Lord Jesus Christ is alive today and will forever reign as the King of Kings. He has trampled over death by death. So those who trust in Him alone have real life that starts now and lasts forever. It is our hope and prayer today that you are numbered among those who have heard his word and believed him and have passed from death to life in Christ. If you're not sure, if you don't know for sure that you are forever alive in Christ, united with him in his death, therefore united with him in his resurrection, I invite you to come awake now. Come and rise up from your grave. See me afterwards. I'll be around. I'd love to help you do just that. Because the hope of eternal life for every believer hinges on the reality of Christ's resurrection, we celebrate and live in the glorious glorious reality that our Redeemer lives. He is risen. risen Let's sing together. As we leave this place, I send you out with this benediction from Romans 16. Now to him who is able to establish you in accordance with my gospel, the message I proclaim about Jesus Christ in keeping with the revelation of the mystery hidden for long ages past, but now revealed and made known through the prophetic writings by the command of the eternal God. So that all the Gentiles might come to the obedience that comes from faith. To the only wise God be glory forever. Through Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. He is risen. He is risen indeed. You're dismissed. Enjoy this glorious day.